The Autobiographical Time-Traveling Adventures of Me by Doc Moran Brought to you by Pooh Bell Bags Are you tired of the patriarchy denying you pockets in which to put your things? Is the fast fashion industrial complex getting you down with their low-quality, disposable crap? Are you looking for a way to carry your necessary items about town with both style and pizzazz? You need a Pooh Bell Bag each Poobel bag is a handmade, one-of-a-kind creation, fashioned from reclaimed, repurposed, and upcycled materials by master accessory on tour, Nasty Canasta. Find yours today at poobellbags.com. That's P-O-U-B-E-L-L-E. Poobel Bags. Cute bags for interesting humans. Episode 6. The Jig is Up. M42 a top-secret power station located deep below Grand Central Terminal, had been seized by a quartet of Nazi spies. Among their prisoners were the President and the First Lady, and at the moment, the Nazi's commander was pointing a supernatural weapon of unimaginable power, the Goddard-Kosmisch Panzerfaust, at the crucially important machinery. Nuts to this, cried Eleanor Roosevelt, and she slammed her heel down hard into the instep of Herr Grau, the Nazi standing behind her. He yelped in pain, and she spun around and drove her knee up hard into his groin. As he doubled over in agony, she grabbed his head by the ears and brought her knee up again fast, smashing it into his face and shattering his nose. She daintily plucked the submachine gun from his grasp as he collapsed, groaning at her feet. Sweet Jesus! an impressed Tom Dolowitz uttered, making an immediate mental realignment to the Democratic Party. Meanwhile, FDR planted his feet on the ground and pushed back hard in his wheelchair slamming it into Herr Brown, standing behind him. He leapt to his feet, and a foot-long dark wooden cudgel slid out of his coat sleeve and came to rest in the palm of his hand. He whirled around and struck the Nazi full in the mouth with the club, sending the goon's teeth flying. As he spun back around, the club flew from his right hand and clocked Herr Grun, who was guarding Chief Williams, right in the skull. As the club bounced back off Grun's skull, spinning through the air, he stretched out his arm and caught it with a satisfying smack. With his free hand, he reached up to his jawline and tugged. The rubber mask he had been wearing came away from his face, revealing the true identity of the man who had been posing as the president. Gott in Himmel! the Nazis exclaimed in unison. It's Barney Moran! The greatest secret agent in the world! Herr Blau sneered. Barney Moran was a handsome man in his late thirties, around six feet tall with a slim athletic build. He had a thick head of dark hair and sported a small, sharp mustache, of the style that looked inexplicably dashing from the 1920s through the 1940s and at no other time in history. His chin was a tad weak, but balanced out by the determined set of his jaw and a permanently furrowed brow he'd earned by refusing to suffer fools gladly. His most distinctive feature was his steel-blue eyes, the gaze of which was currently locked onto the head Nazi. All right, the jig's up, Fritz, said Barney, staring down the villain. Drop the Buck Rogers special and everybody only gets a little hurt. The very injured and deeply rattled Nazi goons began to back away from Barney toward the stairs. Our plans! They are foiled! We must run away! Schnell! The Führer is going to be pissed! Blau licked his lips nervously. The Goddard-Kosmisch Panzerfaust throbbed in his hands. Unimaginable supernatural destruction was just a trigger pull away. But if he missed, or if Moran otherwise survived, the man's gaze hadn't wavered. Panic overwhelmed the Nazi. He was sweating profusely. Now his wetsuit was keeping the moisture in. Moran started to slowly move toward him. You're trapped, Fritz. You've been trapped all along, since minute one. 
We knew when the U-boat dropped you off and you came ashore at Amagansett. We saw the missing sand from the beach. We tracked you idiots into Manhattan and we knew you were hiding in the train tunnels. We leaked the fake info about the presidential itinerary. All those secret servicemen and staff you electrocuted at Track 61, equipped with rubber long johns. Sure, they got a little buzz, but they're going to be a-okay. We knew all about your little team's skill sets and proclivities, and figured out your play. The only thing we weren't certain about was that magic tinker toy of yours, so thanks for helping out there. Face it, you weasley little son of a bitch. You've been played. Barney paused and began to look around the room with a quizzical expression. You know, come to think of it, this might not even be the real M42. This might just be the machine room that powers all the automats in town. And then he flashed his winningest smile. Tom Dolowitz slammed a hand down on an impressive-looking red button on a nearby console, and a klaxon alarm went off. "'Armed guards are on their way, Barn,' said Dolowitz. Without warning, the Goddard Cosmish Panzerfaust started to sputter and grow quieter. Its glow dimmed, and its vapor started to disperse. It coughed twice and went dead. Shaysa said Blau, and all four Nazis turned and hauled ass up the stairs and out the door. "'After them, Barney!' shouted Eleanor Roosevelt hurrying up the stairs after the Nazis. "'Call my wife, Tom!' yelled Barney, and followed hot on her heels. It was a fairly direct route out of the sub-basements via a series of stairwells heading up ten stories to ground level. Barney bounded up the steps two at a time, passing Eleanor about two flights up. He hoped his adrenaline would hold out. Breathing hard, he reached the top and burst through a nondescript door and out into the Grey Bar Passage, one of the wide thoroughfares inside Grand Central. He slid across the marble floor at speed and barreled into a small crowd of people exiting the newsreel theater. The Nazi frogmen, still encumbered by their swim fins, were just a few yards ahead of him, heading into the main concourse. Barney regained his balance and sprinted to catch up. Jacob Bachtold, the clockmaster of Grand Central, climbed up a stepladder and onto the roof of the circular information booth at the center of the concourse. Jacob was an elderly man, and this was a precarious position in which to put himself at his age. But enough was enough. The clocks were behaving in an increasingly strange manner, and Jacob wanted to get to the bottom of it. Precision maintenance hadn't fixed the clocks, and it was perhaps time to try giving them a good thumping. The golden clock atop the information booth had four faces, so it could be read by hurrying commuters from all directions. And for the last few minutes, at least it felt like minutes, all of the hands were stuck at 11.59pm. Stuck wasn't quite the right word, though. It's not like the hands had stopped moving. The hour-and-minute hands on all four faces of the clock were, in fact, trembling, vibrating in position at 11.59, like they wanted to move on, but something was stopping them. The second hands were behaving even more unreasonably. Those were spinning backward. Jacob heard a cacophony of slapping sounds fast approaching from the right and turned to see what it was. The four Nazi frogmen came rushing across the concourse, forcing their way through the late-night crowd and making a beeline for the information booth. They were exhausted at this point, and their flippers kept tripping them up, so that they weren't so much running as pinwheeling with momentum. Between them, they still had three submachine guns and the mysterious cosmic weapon, which Herr Blau was desperately trying to restart. A few yards behind them, Barney Moran followed in close pursuit, cudgel gripped tight in his fist. Eleanor Roosevelt and her commandeered submachine gun brought up the rear. The Nazis skidded to a halt, positioning themselves around the perimeter of the information booth, their guns trained on the crowd. People on the periphery quickly ran away, but those closer in, with a better look at the gun barrels, froze in place. Barney and Eleanor slowed to a stop a few feet away. Barney twirled his club. 
Eleanor pivoted her aim to cover each Nazi. It was a standoff. And then the front doors of Grand Central Terminal exploded inward. End of Episode 6 If you are enjoying this series, you can send a Venmo tip at Doc Moran. All one word.